This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. In this episode, we catch up with Noah Hoffman, who was training in Sujin, Norway at the time of our conversation, and also Adam Mahar, the lead site administrator and programmer for Noah Hoffman Fantasy Cross Country, who we tracked down in Minneapolis. Hoffman discusses the details of partnering with Faster Skier with his Fantasy League, and Mahar gives a primer on some of the league's new features. We know it's short notice, but the World Cup season starts this Friday with the Ruka Triple. Teams need to be chosen by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Thursday evening. I remember when Matt from Faster Skeeter brought this up to us this summer, you know, and he's like, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Like this guy Hoffman just seems driven to produce, you know, whether it's your podcast, the fantasy league, your blog, what have you, um, that although you're, uh, you're a full-time professional athlete, um, there's something intellectually where you need to, um, tap into another aspect of who you are. Um, now, now, well, I, I do want to say on that, you know, either to you or to everybody, I don't really care which is, I would be a better athlete. I believe this. I would be a better athlete if I focused more on athletics, but I, I really have a hard time not jumping into other things that I kind of conceive of and, and think would be really cool, especially because some of these things seem time sensitive and like they're only able to be done while I'm an athlete. You know, for instance, the blog, starting with that, you know, was, was interesting because my lifestyle is interesting as an athlete. But when I'm no longer an athlete, it's not clear at all that my lifestyle will be something worth reading about. And then, you know, same was true a little bit with faster with fantasy. I feel like I have a better ability to market this and to get sponsors on board as an athlete than I will post ski career. Now, I'm not sure if that's a hundred percent true, but, um, that's one thing that's just, yeah, that's my comment. Yeah. It's, it, it would be, yeah. I mean, the opportunity cost of not taking advantage or capitalizing when your face is out there would probably be fairly large. So it makes sense to do it while you're more visible, I suppose. Um, well, it, it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, at what point is just skiing fast, the ultimate value, but I don't know that. Oh uh, yeah. I don't know. Those are big questions. I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah you know, to the best of your ability, or what is the arrangement that you have this year with how the fantasy is run, how it's hosted, and how might it be different than in years past? Right. So I started fantasy in 2015 for the world championships in Falun. Like I said, it was just a Google form that people filled out. I put it together in 24 hours, about a week before the championships got my sponsors on board in the blink of an eye. I was so grateful that they came on board so quickly and, you know, put together something very simple for the world championships. And then I actually asked a friend of mine to score it based on the Google spreadsheets that had uh, been produced by the Google form. And uh, it was, it was one gender. We only did women and that was it. And then I, I was kind of just going to leave it at that and let the whole thing slide until Adam 
emailed me the following fall and said, and I'd never met him at the time. And he said, I played your fantasy league last year, which is really fun, but you need a better platform. And I built you one. So he, you know, he sent a link in this email with this fully built fantasy cross country website. And I was like, uh, yes, please. So last year, the 2016, 17 year, I decided, okay, I'm pretty financially stable at the moment. I want to take, I want to continue fantasy, but I want to take a little bit of a load off. So I hired Muffy Roy from Bend to help me manage the marketing of fantasy and the, uh, the prizes and, and working with sponsors to secure the prizes and then making sure they got to the recipients and sending them out. Now, I didn't pay Muffy anything near what she was worth or the time she put in, but it was still hard for me to make ends meet last year between paying Adam and paying Muffy. And so this year, I was really trying to secure a title sponsor for the league for the fantasy program. Now, and I was unsuccessful in doing that. I had some interest from a couple different people, but nothing ended up panning out. And I was like, well, I don't know if I can, if I can even do this anymore. Cause I don't feel like I have the time to do, to make it happen. And I don't feel like I've got the financial resources to hire out the, you know, have as, as I did last, the year previously. And that's when Matt Voshin at Faster Skier got in touch with me and basically asked if he could partner with me on fantasy and that there was a way he felt like that we could both benefit from a relationship on fantasy. And my goal with the league has never been to like keep it for myself or even to monetize it. I just was trying to break even on the whole thing or, or at least spend less money than I had previously been. And um, I, I, you know, I would love to retain my name on the whole thing because I feel like that's the primary bit of value that I get out of it is personal branding. Now, I also hopefully am providing value to my personal sponsors who are sponsoring the league with product and are hopefully, you know, seeing that as as part of the partnership they have with me as an athlete. So, you know, there there are multiple ways that I get value out of the whole thing, but. I was definitely trying to figure out a way to take the load off. So I explained the whole situation to Matt and said, look, I, if you can help me figure out a way to spend less money on this thing, and that is marketing the league, sending out the weekly emails, which is, of course, part of the marketing campaign. It reminds people to change their team for the coming weekend and taking care of the prizes and working with the sponsors to secure the prizes and making sure the prizes get to this respective winners. And Matt said he felt like that was a piece of it that they could do. Now, he went further than that and said, I think that I can also secure some paying sponsors that could either partially or fully cover the money that I was previously paying to Adam to run the site. And Matt has been working hard on that, and he's close to done that. And so that's obviously another huge piece of value to me because it saves me, you know, any money that I don't have to pay Adam is coming straight out of my pocket. So, uh, that's, that's huge. You know, it's not like I'm flush with cash, especially this year when I was not renamed the U S ski team and I have to 
personally fund my wax technicians for the uh, for the coming World Cup season, at least for the first period of it. So um, it was an opportune time for me to get that help. And in return, we are going to run the entire fantasy platform through fasterskier.com's host and the the domain on it will change i believe to fasterskier.com slash fantasy now the old domain of noah hoffman fantasy xc.com will just reroute there so it shouldn't cause any confusion but that ability to run route all that traffic through faster skier and hopefully for them to add some for faster skier to add some promotional materials kind of on the edges of the fantasy platform that Adam has built will provide more value to faster skier to make sure that they're getting value out of the partnership. So that's the, the long version of, of uh, how this partnership formed and what, you know, what both sides are looking to get out of it. Okay. So are you, um, I'm just kind of curious as a kid, were you the, were you the kid in Aspen who like had a lemonade stand? Or anything like that? You know? uh, not a little bit. I, I, I did some dog walking and, and a little bit of lemonade sales. But, uh, I, you know, I was always, I, I, was, I was more the, the one who was, like, going for runs at lunch in middle school, which made me way more weird than had I had a lemonade stand. Yeah, probably, probably. Okay. Uh, yeah, but maybe, yeah, maybe it would have been like a recovery drink in Aspen or something would have been more lucrative. But um, as you've built this up and have realized that, okay, you know, it's fun and your original intent was not to monetize it, but there is the possibility to monetize. Um, how big of a market potentially is there in places like Scandinavia and then if you ever decided, and I don't, maybe the biathlon fantasy already exists, but you know, that's like a crazy fan base, you know, how big potentially could something like this get? Yeah, no, that is interesting because we have seen the, the U S participation in fantasy has grown each year. And yet as a percentage of the overall players, the U S part has shrunk every year. So the foreign, uh, the foreign players, especially primarily Scandinavia, has grown faster than the U.S. by a significant amount. Um, now that being said, the the playership from Scandinavia is still very small, and clearly, w- when you look at interest in world cup skiing or you look at tv ratings or you look at ski sales the scandinavian market is the biggest in the world it's massive and so you know i i don't think i I don't know to answer your question because i think part of the barrier is that fantasy sports in general are not as common over here now there's no reason that it couldn't start with skiing since it's one of their biggest sports especially in Norway and Sweden, but I'm not at all convinced that me or that, that I am poised to, or that I'm poised with the help of Faster Skier even, which is a primarily U.S.-based news organization, that, that we are poised to be able to tap into that market. 
I don't even know how big of a vested interest I have in the whole thing because my goal when I had so much fun playing fantasy free skier and wanted to bring something similar to cross country skiing, I definitely had the U S market in mind and not the foreign market. I, I don't know that I have that big of an, of a draw to grow the interest in the sport internationally. That's such a, that's just so much of a bigger task. Um, and it also seems like I have a lot less influence. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've been a fairly prominent face in U.S. skiing for a long time. Now, I obviously haven't had the success of Keegan and Jesse or Simi or, you know, anybody along those lines. But I, you know, I'm, I've been on the U.S. ski team and I have, you know, have been around a little bit. Now, I have zero. So I, I was talking earlier about how, I feel like the opportune time to invest in fantasy for me was while I was an athlete. I believe that's true in the U S market. I don't know that it matters at all that I'm an athlete in the foreign market because I, because nobody of course knows the person who, you know, finishes in 50th place on the world cup. Um, <laughs> and so don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> and, and so I don't know that, I think that if I wanted, if we want to really tackle the international market, I think that we might need to change our marketing strategy a little bit. And I'm not sure that that's something that we're focused on or interested in doing. Now, all of that being said, I had a, a couple of conversations this spring with the Norwegian tabloid Dagbladet who ran an article about faster about sorry about fantasy last winter around the time of the tour de ski and contacted me this spring about potentially forming a partnership in the same way that faster skier formed a partnership now dogbladet never ne that partnership never materialized but if in the future we were able to work with uh, somebody like that who already has a big reach in Norway and Sweden then I think the potential to grow in the market is huge. But uh, again, that's not a priority for me. Last year at this time, we did a full-blown analysis of Hoffman's Ski League. We explored the origins of the league, heard how Adam got involved, and fell into a serious wormhole, learning how some fantasy league experts pick their teams. We'll link to that episode on the Faster Skier site. Anyhow, here's Mahar to explain a bit about the 2017-2018 features of the Fantasy League. Okay, so tell me a little bit about, because it used to in the past, is that you you had to choose a certain number of athletes, yep. male and female, if my exactly. understanding is correct. This year, I think it's changed I appreciate the fact and... that you still haven't played the game. I, I do. <laughs> well, yeah, me because you've you've, you've, you've tried, tried. And I tried. Like, every year you get discouraged, right? <laughs> yeah, because I yeah, I mean it's the same thing. Right. The past two years, my son and I get all fired up, and then we realize pretty much halfway through the first leg of some Riga yeah. triple <laughs> that we're done. <laughs> yeah, like, you're absolutely. Yeah. And honestly, I, I don't play because I get smashed every time I try. I like absolutely get destroyed. Um, but 
but but uh, but but frankly, I'm um, yeah. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm open to you know cleansing and starting over <laughs> anew this year, right? Right, right. Okay, no, I, so, love, I love it. Anyway. Yeah, so like, walk me through a little bit. So like, instead of just choosing my athletes, I am given a certain amount of money, and I then need to work within that specific amount, exactly. not to go over. And then choose eight men and, and eight women. So let's kind of yeah. get the details um, on that. So it's kind of taking a page out of the book of other fantasy endurance league kind of things, uh, where we assign a val uh, a monetary value to athletes based on how well they've performed in the past. Um, for for example, right now they're. Um, their monetary value is based on how they performed last year. But as the season progresses, it will be based more and more on how they've performed this year. Um, but it basically adds another element where you can't just pick who you think are the top eight men and eight women. You also have this little game of having to fit within that budgetary uh, constraint. So... Uh, each player gets a hundred thousand dollars in this made-up money, and uh, the least expensive athletes are, I think, twenty-five hundred dollars, and up to the most expensive, which are somewhere around uh, twelve thousand or somewhere in there, um, and and then there's a there's a gradient in between of uh yeah of other athletes who have scored points in the past um right so like for example like if noah may start off at like say a certain uh monetary value yeah say he starts out at yep. three thousand dollars and then if he wins mm -hmm. the ruka triple his price is okay. gonna go way up you know um you are not f allowed to go over that hundred thousand dollar budget total for 16 athletes and you can have but you can also you can play the game and say well i don't care if i have my full squad of athletes i think these people are going to do so much better than the other ones that i just want six men and six women and that's going to take my full gotcha. hundred thousand and that's fine and you can do that that's okay i like that so there's a there there's yeah it makes the strategy well there's more strategy now, right right because you can take that cut of one person in order to get someone that you would really like maybe it's a little bit of game theory right I don't really know I'm not an economist but <laughs> uh, <laughs> so there are a lot of design decisions you have to make when implementing something like this and one of them was. How does it work when you have an athlete on your team and the price of that athlete then changes? And what we what we decided to do was the athlete stays on your team. Uh, um, if you decide to sell the athlete, you only get back the purchase price that you or you always get back the purchase price, I should say, because if their value has gone up, 
then you only get back the purchase price. But if their value has gone down, then you still get back the purchase price, you know? So say you purchase them at 3000 and they're now worth 2500 You still get 3000 back when you sell them. But if they had gone up to 3500 yeah, then you only get 3000 back. Right. But you could just leave them on your team. So the kind of the the interesting thing there is if you think someone's going to do really well this season, but they either didn't participate last season or they didn't participate as much. For example, Mart Bjorgen, perhaps, though she did pretty well. Um, but but <laughs> she did, but she, but she did. took a, took a bunch of weekends off. Right, exactly. So maybe she's a little undervalued right now. So if you buy her now and then she ends up competing every weekend this year, then, and destroying, which, you know, presumably she would if she does compete, um, <clears throat> then you might have uh, this kind of advantage over other players where you bought her for $8,000 and nobody else could in anyone that bought her after the first weekend they would have had to pay at least 10,000 or something like that um and so you have this kind of extra $2,000 that you're playing with as long as you never take her off your team <laughs> but as soon as you take her off your team then you have to pay the full price or whatever she's whatever she costs now if you go onto the site if you log in and then you look at your athletes it actually makes a lot of sense. It's like, oh yeah, I got a hundred thousand bucks. I get to divide it by as many teams, you know, and I can only spend a hundred thousand dollars. That's it. You can, yeah. So, and as it stands, you can at least, you know, you can buy a probably like at least 10 pricey athletes, if not more. Uh, yeah, I think you can. Yeah. Yeah. You can get like the top, the uh, 12, uh, maybe the 12 most expensive that might be because the prices drop off pretty fast on the guy's side yeah that's um, true yeah i it's tough to find that balance between um like expensive enough and not too expensive you know what i mean and the, the other thing to remember is or that I have to remind myself, I guess, is that people don't necessarily want the eight most expensive people because those aren't the people yeah, yeah. that are going to do the best okay. in a weekend. This is cool. Good work. Uh, uh, so, like, if you have a sprint, sprint only weekend, then the eight most expensive people, oh, eight most expensive athletes, aren't going to be the eight best athletes to pick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, let's see. The trading, you guys call it trading, so like establishing your team or trading, it closes November 23rd and... Yep. Yeah. Um, that's a good point as, as far as uh, like when does it close on November 23rd? And I'm hoping that it'll be at 11.59 p.m. I haven't really bulletproof tested that yet. Um, but that's what we're going to aim for. Uh, 11.59 p.m. Eastern. So that's like, what, four hours before the World Cup actually goes off or before the thing starts or five hours or six hours or something? Yeah, yeah. Maybe even more than that. Um, and that's Thanksgiving Day but, here in the States. <laughs> What's true? Which one? 23rd yeah. is? 
Yeah. Yep. Hey, uh, uh, that's what we call a ski holiday. Thanks for listening to Nordic Nation. And as Mahar suggests, enjoy a ski holiday this Thursday and pick your team by Thursday night.